led by Lieutenant Colonel Eileen Joan Hall, Command Cultural Advisor to the Regional Force Surveillance Group, RSFG, also one of the Army's most senior Indigenous female officers. Also joining us is uh, Corporal Tina Haywood, author and cultural liaison advisor for RFSG. Corporal Haywood is also Lieutenant Colonel Hall's offsider. Our two guests are joining us ahead of Anzac Day 2023 to explore First People's contribution to the Defence Force. Aileen and Tina, thanks for joining us and welcome to NITV Radio. Yalada uh, Bedroom, and thank you so much for taking the time to, to yarn with us today. We also want to pay our respects to your listeners from whatever country they are from. So we acknowledge themselves, their family, their communities and their bloodline. Um, we're dialing in from Larrakia country in Darwin, but um, we just want to pay our respects. And uh, it's so um, wonderful to be able to discuss the importance of Anzac Day and, and also the contribution of First Nation soldiers current and, 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 and before. Before we look at the contribution of Indigenous members of the ADF in general, can you tell us about yourselves in a few words and uh, your respective roles with the ADF? My name's Corporal Tina Hayward. I've um, been um, in Defence Force for 10 years uh, this year. Um, since March, I'm the local um, observer element for a regional force surveillance group headquarters. My role is to help um, you know, build that bridge between community and um, with our uh, Defence Force um, you know, joint capability guys like our command officers. So you I play a big, um, important role. So we're the backbone to, like, it's like translating and just through that cultural lens as well. I work with um, Ma'am Hall. Uh, she's a cultural advisor, but uh, I'm just below her. So whatever she does, I um, am not around for. I sort of um, pick up and um, just teach our commanding officers um, that different cultural um, ways of understanding to make... Um, Better engagement, better um, to be um, through our lenses and how to how do we engage more with communities and um, mob and defence. Yeah. Yalada ngayon in Lieutenant Colonel Eileen John Hall, nengata bupo Wangamon, East Cape York, Wujuwujul and Hopevale. So my role is what they call command cultural advisor. So um, for your listeners there, so within the Regional Force Surveillance Group, um, we're based out of the headquarters in Darwin. We have three Regional Force Surveillance units across the top end. So to the west, we have Pilbara Regiment. Um, within the Northern Territory, we have Norforce, which also encompasses uh, Kimberley Squadron. And then to the east, we have 51st Battalion, which covers, you know, Gulf of Carpentaria, uh, Cairns Tablelands, Cape York and the Torres Strait up to the PNG border. Uh, it's roughly around 52% of Australia's landmass. So, so my role uh, is to work with command in terms of um, that strategic engagement. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work at the moment with um, peak, peak organisations um, in terms of doing that cross work and also um, peak organisations. And they may include land councils and, and um, peak organisations like AMSAN, for example, in the Territory. And, and others uh, in terms of that connection and, and access and then um, collaborative opportunities. Uh, so the whole idea is that with my role and then Tina's, our Corporal Hayward on the ground, is that the connection in terms of connecting command with community, um, if there's any issues there, but also to be that cultural bridge. So 
So um, understanding what, what the cultural safety protocols are um, and how we can make sure that, you know, everyone is on the same page when we come to do work on country. Um, we, we are a long-range reconnaissance and surveillance um, uh, part of the Army and we also have an Indigenous development wing. So we have our own training schools or training area for our First Nation soldiers um, to do their trade. So, yeah, it's, it's huge. So 20 to 40% of uniformed soldiers uh, within Army come from within the Regional Force Surveillance Group area of operation. So it's huge, huge contribution. Are they mainly uh, First Nations or it's just, yes. um, wow, yes. that's a massive, yeah. that's a huge contribution yeah. to the force. Yes. And, and, you know, I just want to make it clear to the listeners there, um, when we when we talk about, you know, service and, and especially the connection First Nation mob countrymen have with defence. So when the census was done in 2021, they found one in five Australian families had either a current or a historical connection to defence. When we look at our First Nation communities, particularly in our remote and um, northern areas, um, and even put as a country, um, it's a lot closer. It's one in two families has a has a connection with defence, either currently or historically. So that relationship is a lot closer. Um, so it's really important that when we're thinking around Anzac Day, you know, since Federation, in any campaign that Australian Defence Force has been a part of, you, you had First Nation um, representation there. You had First Nation people who served and who are currently serving today. And it's because of that historical connection, yeah. you know, and love of country. That's uh, something that's uh, to be actually acknowledged and actually repeated because some people may not know that uh, First Nations people went to war even before they were recognizing the referendum, even before they had citizenship yes. in this country. And uh, some had to lie even to be able to go and fight for the country. Yes. And, and and that's part of that, you know, it's acknowledging the history. You know, we're not shying away from that. The history and the way that the legislation, you know, and the policies of that day, you know, made it, you know, and so that's why the work that the War Memorial is doing now is uncovering and, and, and finding out those stories from our First Nations soldiers. But the other point I want to raise too, um, Bertram, is that communities also contributed to the war effort. And so it's important to understand that they also helped um, in some ways and so it's that whole focus that we need to acknowledge and so when we talk about Anzac Day it's around that um, you know time for reflection it's also time for connection or reconnecting with those stories you know um, and, and being proud of them yeah and the work you do involves working directly with the population it's not um service operating overseas uh, I saw documentaries about your group many of the First Nations men and women actually in your area are recruited for their very strong knowledge of the country and uh, specialist skills especially in uh, tracking and um, yeah yeah so we do long range reconnaissance and surveillance so that's actually we have to know our country at the area that we're operating in um, a lot of people may think they get nervous when they say, oh, are we going to Ukraine to fight? Are we going? No, no, no. We, For our area that we operate in, we only want you for domestic operations within your area because countrymen know their country better than anybody else. They know how to read the country. They know their seasons. They know where they can go and hunt and gather food. They, 
you know, so that's that kind of um, skill set that only they bring to the table. No one else does. That's the gift that they have. And so for us, it's really important that we have people that are recruited from, from country across our area of operations. And it's also acknowledging for me as command cultural advisor is that we have many nations within this one nation. And so that's where, you know, Corporal Haywood's role in terms of being the local observer element provides that cultural bridge and link um, between command and 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 Melbourne country, so yeah, it's a very it's a specialised skill set, um, and I might put um, Corporal Hayward on because she's um, one of our rare mob who's actually dual traded, uh, so she has both um, combat supporter operator um, uh, certification as well as um, patrol. Patrol person, yeah, patrolman, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. also also an author. Uh, she's also written yeah. a book, so we're gonna maybe talk about that. She's as well. awesome, yeah, yeah, Bertram. She's awesome. Love, I, I have no competition there. Yeah, she's deadly. <laughs> yeah, I'll let I'll let her talk. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the story behind that, um, for learning those children, I started uh, ten years ago. Was like where I walked through defence recruiting. I was like, well, what? What are my chances of joining as a mum, you know, like as a, a young Indigenous woman too, like walking through the doors, I, there were challenges, there was a, overcoming barriers and um, I thought, you know what, why not have a go at this and I'm here today telling my story due to um, the resilience, the strength and um, understanding and the discipline that I learnt from um, the Army. So doing 304 and 305s, so patrolman and combat support operator, I gained many skills and I implemented those tools within me. And it, so, you know, understanding the land and the cultural ways, who's better than someone that's from country to do something like that? Because, you know, that's embedded, that's something unique within us. And we carry our cultural knowledge forever, for generations. We've been here for 65,000 years, you know, that's something unique. And you're not going to find it at a textbook, you're going to find it from us. So, learning those t- skills, so doing warehouse office, like within um, combat support, doing the warehouse, uh, driving, so um, skills, um, receptionist, so those skills as a reservist, you can go back to community, you can be a driver as a, um, you know, for the health team or for the youth um, youth uh, kids club there or, you know, you can work in the warehouse, like at the back of the store, no matter where you want to go, you're, the world is your oyster and, um it never stopped me from growing and learning. And so every day is a learning day for me within Defence Force. And I learn from so many inspirational people. And I learn from um, Mam Hall and along with my um, turn of command. So I'm pretty proud to speak about on the radio today. And um, thanks to those that um, before me, after me, and and, and that's going to um, keep continue that amazing legacy through uh, Defence Force. And you wrote a book, Warriors, an Aboriginal Woman's Life. I'll just quote from uh, that book. You say, I'm an Aboriginal woman, but I don't let that define me. Uh, Can you elaborate on that quote? Yeah, so that was my healing journey. When I wrote my autobiography book, it went nationwide then and went globally. So it's throughout Amazon and everything. And writing my story and letting people understand the see through my lenses. And that was only just a glimpse of my life. And um, so my, my story is somebody else's survival guide. So whether you're a young person from community, um, a, 
a, a mother, an auntie, sister, daughter. You can become whoever you want to become. So when I put pen to paper, I was like, you know what, someone's going to hear my story and they're going to grow and learn from it. And that was a positive outlook for me. And from then there on, I continued my journey and did my business with it. But I always still come back to defence as well. So that, like I said, that gave me that strength and resilience to growing my wings to who I am today. So no, no. I, I'm here to tell it. So that's my legacy to keep going forward. <laughs> Now you embody a lot of things, a writer and a soldier, many skills. I can't even picture you going around the country doing motivational speaking. We have many tools embedded in us. So those, you know, we wear many hats. Yeah. We're back in community where we come from, you know, cultural um, strength and resilience. And that spirit within us makes us go further and that drive is the drive that makes us wake up every day it's the drive that makes me put on my uniform to know who's watching and that strength for the great leadership because you don't know who's looking at you and you don't know who has captured your um, positivity and empowering so that's why I love waking up, I love my job and I love coming and meeting the people I work around because you know it's what you make of life and um, this is today while we're here telling their story to encourage many others and due to end that they're coming up with something very significant it's a significant day because our spiritual ways will always find us and those spirits from our soldiers you know is something very powerful so you know. yeah as i said earlier your journey alone is inspirational and uh uh being a writer how does it feel being an offsider to one of the most senior Aboriginal female officers in the Defence Force. You know, every day I come into my office and I see three amazing people. I see my Colonel, my RSM, and I see ma'am, and it's an honour to see these amazing people. I, I smile to say, hey, I get to work beside these most intelligent people. And working beside ma'am is something, wow, like... um you don't get to work beside a lieutenant colonel every day. <laughs> and learning her, um, in, she's such an inspiration to me, not only to me, to the younger generations and those that engage with her. You know, no matter where we go, we always shine and we shine together because when one is going through something, the other uplift and we do that as a team. And when we wear our green skin, we're family, but when we still take our, our uniform off, we're still family. So that's... a her being part of my journey, I, um, it's an inspiration. And, and those two, um, my RSM and my colonel, they, they, it's amazing being beside strong, resilient and amazing people because you take that 1% of positivity with you and you can tell your stories on for gener- passing the generation how you met and how that story became. Did you want to be uh, in the army growing up or uh, what uh, prompted you, what led you to join the army? My uncle was in the army. He, oh, not, Sorry, correct. He, he was Navy. So he was a Navy submarine. So um, seeing him, I was like, oh, I don't think I want to go to the Navy. Army be my choice. So, yeah, uh, army was an inspiration. And just seeing First Nation mob and people when you see in uniform army defense force like that i'm gonna be one of that person one of that one day and then i did now i'm t- now i'm here speaking about my journey within defense force 
Lieutenant Colonel Eileen Joan Hall, what led you to join the Army? Before I joined Army, I was, um, at that time, uh, between 2016 and 2019, I was a, a CEO, Chief Executive Officer for Wujawujal Aboriginal Shire Council. So for your listeners, I, I grew up East Cape York. So my mother is Aboriginal, my father was an Irish immigrant. And so um, and uh, so I was CEO for council at that time. And our community, like many other First Nation communities, we were struggling, um, particularly around, you know, family violence and, and, you know, just that cohesion piece. And so we actually had 51st Battalion coming through Woodjil Woodjil, but they were actually not meant to stay there. They were actually on their way to Cooktown um, and onto Hopevale and, they camped the night there and then the next morning I invited them to come down to council chambers and meet with the council for council and, you know, just asking them questions. What I didn't realise was that our community elders, our, our women elders had actually prayed for army to help with community. I didn't know that until afterwards and one of the interesting things for us was as a community was signing up and, and enlisting and I actually enlisted as a reservist same with our young people and it was one of the best things I ever did and it also helped our community come together because we we didn't know that we actually had a link back to World War One. we had two um, Aji's grandfathers that had gone on to World War One. they were brothers Norman and Charlie Baird they went across to Egypt and um, and the Western Front survived and came back home and so we didn't know about that part of their history and so the work we did with the war memorial to uncover that was amazing and so here we were a hundred years later we had we had enlisted and so it's an amazing reconnection story and so that's why I'm very passionate around the, the Anzac Day is because it's an opportunity to reconnect and one of the things we talk about back home is when we talk about legacy it's what you leave behind is what you give and um so during your life, what did you give to help with your legacy? And, you know, whether it's generosity of time, whether it's generosity of, of love or, 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 or sharing, um, you know, for those, for Anzac Day, for some of our families, they gave the ultimate price, you know. And so their legacy is with us today and it will stay with us as we pass it on to our next generation. And so it's really important that, we use that time on Anzac Day to know that First Nation people have a connection with the Anzac story and also previously serving soldiers, but also those that are currently serving within defence. Yeah, I remember a few years ago doing some stories about uh, some research projects, particularly in Queensland, including efforts by uh, Logan City Council and the Queensland Library calling on families of First Nations people uh, to help document uh, actually uh, the stories of members of their families who might have participated, especially in the First World War, but uh, had not been identified. Yeah, they were calling for memorabilia and other items that um, could help uh, document um, that service to country. And now there you are, one of the highest ranking First Nations women in the army. Are there many others um, of similar ranks or closer? There are there are more coming through, and I, I just wanted to sort of you know um, highlight the importance of 
supporting that a lot of people um first nation mob get a little bit nervous you know or shamed about wanting to join up because they think they you know they might have not finished school or you know they feel that they may not be healthy enough to join or you know hey i had some trouble with courts you know that might go against me within the regional force surveillance units the co's um commanding officers they can do waivers for education health uh, criminality and psychological. Again, it's case by case basis, but the opportunity is there. So, you know, and my first job ever, Bertrand, was I was a two day CDEP, Aboriginal health worker. That was my first job ever. And CDEP, 20 odd years later. That's one of the worst conditions you can walk in. Yeah, but that was, that was what was available in my community. I grew up in East Cape York in a remote community. You worked, and so t- for you to get CDEP back then, you had to work your two days. You were yeah, yeah. you were either a two day or a five day worker, oh, and nothing. so I worked in yeah. the clinic. Yeah, and so that was my first job ever. And so, um, you know, when we're talking about your legacy, you know, what I what I was given the opportunity was, you know, people believed in me, and so the work I do in my role is creating those opportunities for, you know, other mob coming through. That's that's what I'm passionate about, and and Corporal Haywood's gift, you know, as a trained trauma counsellor, part of the journey for us is breaking down those barriers and also creating those culture bridges around cultural safety. You know, what does that mean? Because we all come from trauma backgrounds, it's important that we provide those culturally safe spaces for mob to join, and and it works both ways. We have a shared history now in in Australia, and it's important that we build those bridges and create those spaces for conversations to happen. So joining the army, they not only gain employment, but they also get trained and pick up some skills that they can use outside in civilian life once they leave the army. It's very transferable skills. And so the the conversations we've been having with not only local government, but with our peak organisations, like, for example, like AMSAND, um, like health, uh, education sector, industry sectors, is around, hey, we can train them. We're really good at training people. Um, but please note that, you know, once they've done training with us and they go back to community, if they're reservists, there's an opportunity you can pick them up as part of your workforce because everyone is now looking for workforce. Well, hey, be, let's be a capacity partner together. And so that opportunity is there. And, it, you know, I see my role and, and same with Corporal Haywood's role is is being those educators saying this is how the connections can happen. And at the same time, it's also understanding that we've got to create those safe spaces for our mob to train in terms of we get a little bit shame if we're introduced to something new and so the fear of failure is a lot different and so we train them so that they know how to fail safely but they also learn how to get back up again and that's important. And now before I let you go, any final thoughts? Um, to, to those listeners out there, you know, change is amazing. Don't be afraid of change because, you know what, at the end of the day, you're going to make great leaders. And whether you're ready now, um, it's not going anywhere. Um, it's always around. You know, one day you might click and make the decision. But remember, there's people out there that want to help you grow and, and encourage you. So we're here to encourage mob to come in and not be afraid of um, stepping forward to making changes and, and a positive change too as for your mindset and make yourself a, a better person because remember at the end of the day you're doing it for you and um, you're helping those around you to see that strength and resilience and you know 
um, be proud of who you are, where you come from, because we have a culture that's very strong and significant, and um, that's who we are, and that's why we keep merging forward, because our ancestors built a pathway, and we're just leaving that amazing footprint towards to merge for the future. Mm. I, I think just following on from Sister, it's important to your listeners out there, they come from a long line of warriors. Mm-hmm. It's in their blood. It runs yeah. in their blood. And so, you know, caring for country, because if you look after country, country will look after you. And, you know, whether their journey is with us in defence or whether their journey is just, you know, in terms of something else, the main thing is that they know that they have a connection with, you know, from their ancestors from before. And so Anzac Day is that time for reflection and mm-hmm. it's also that time for connection. And it's also to take those lessons from before and put it into practice today to help those mob yet to be, um, you know. So I just, yeah, I think that's one of the big things is, you know, there's opportunities there. We're here to help. Um, and even if your journey doesn't end with us, we would love to be a capacity partner with you on your journey. Okay, Lieutenant Colonel Eileen Joan Hall and uh, Corporal Tina Haywood, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio today. Yeah, thank you thank very you much. For your time. And thank you to your listeners.